It is not reasonable. It is not reasonable. It's the title of the talk. It is not reasonable. I think that's what it is. Even that talk title is not reasonable. What I learned, what I acquired, what I got from my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, the 11th incarnation of the Trungpa Tulku from Tibet, was not reasonable. You could say it was outrageous. What I learned from Koban, by way of words, was about this much, very little bit. It was totally unreasonable. If you study the Heart Sutra, unreasonable. That's unreasonable. Form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. I mean, there's nobody there. That's unreasonable. The Diamond Sutra, if you look at the Diamond Sutra, another foundation text for Buddhism, for Chan and Zen Buddhism, it's un. What's another fancy word I can think up here? It's unconscionable. It's irritating to run into that kind of. The Diamond Sutra says it's this, and it's not this, but it's not this. That's therefore it's this. Come on. This is why this is called a spiritual path, not a mundane path. If you've come here to fix yourself, probably not going to work. On the other hand, if you've come here to see who you are and see what this situation is fundamentally, deeply, then well, there's a possibility, but there's no guarantee of anything because the causes and conditions both obvious and accidentally or adventitious, both the obvious cause and effect, cause and effect, and then the other ones that come up that have no, or make no sense at all from the point of view of what we call, what we cling to, uh, the subject-object uh, dualism that scientific materialism clings to. And quite often this happens on the spiritual path. We want results. We want to know, well, if I do this, will this happen? From the point of view of the spiritual path, it's not about cause and effect. What is it about? It's about understanding and seeing cause and effect. It's a duality. It's such an obvious one. You have a cause and an effect. You have a cause and you have an effect. <laughs> cause and effect. So part of it is very reasonable, but the part that, that escapes us you could say the reason we tend to spin and go in circles and chase our own tail and, and, and complain or uh, feel helpless, feel depressed, feel, 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 is because it is not reasonable. It doesn't align itself with cause and effect to a point, right, right to the edge of your skin, to a point. You're here. Somebody's here. Th this whole situation of living beings is... Kind of strange, wouldn't you think? Isn't it kind of strange to be a human being? I mean, why did you decide to do that? Oh, that's right, you didn't really decide. <clears throat> kind of an accident. <clears throat> but once we get in this uh, merry-go-round, then we start to, within the context of the circularity, we start to make sense of things. Well, this is this, and I'll invest in this, and I'll do this, and I'll get this kind of an education, and I'll teach my kids this, and teach, you know, and, and everyone is always looking for what? Praise and blame. Who gets blamed? Like the whole thing that happened with the, the terrible thing about the young people in, uh, and the adults too in Florida. Immediately looking for blame. They want to blame something. Whew, once you find out who's at fault, then you can forget about it and 
do something else. The problem, the issue, seems to be much de deeper, much more hidden, much more around the corner than just this caused that, or that caused this, or this happened, so therefore. That being said, also there's something to that. We have to start where we're at. We have to start with the relative situation. I'm suffering. I don't feel so good. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. I've tried that. I think I'll try to see what it actually is rather than let someone else interpret your life. That's one thing. If someone is a Dharma teacher, if they're a true teacher, true te Dharma teacher, they will not take over your life and interpret everything for you. It might not help you enough. I've actually been accused of, you're helping everyone else. Why aren't you helping me? I told that person to go away for a year. And it's not like, see how you like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, go away for a year. They may never come back. So I'm not particularly going to go into, let's see, could I have done something better? Could I have helped them? Is there something I could have done? There isn't anything you can do. I'm not saying you can't learn how to fix eggs over easy. Of course you can. I mean, I can, but it doesn't work for me. But you might be able to take a, a very obvious situation and get really good at that, get skilled at that. But there's no guarantee, just like the skiers, if any of you have watched the Olympics, you know, people have trained and trained and trained and trained and trained and then screw it all up. <laughs> like the guy that was doing really well right till he was about 20 feet from the finish line. And then, he, he, uh, then his karma caught up with him, you could say. <laughs> and it's just like an invisible hand comes out of, came out of the sky and say, hold it just a minute, bub. <laughs> uh, you can get that far but you can't go any further excuse me so it's unreasonable it doesn't make any sense it does up to a point the provisional teachings are very common sense the early teachings life is suffering okay caused by desire wanting things to be different okay that that makes some sense the goal is the cessation of suffering. Uh, okay, I'm on board for that. And the path is sit down and look at it. Sit down, hold still, and watch what moves, because what is moving is the delusion. And what is the delusion? You think you're somebody, just because you can find your head. There will come a time. Well, that actually isn't time, but we'll use that. There will come a time when you not have a head, and you'll still be there. Where will you be? I don't know. Yes, sir. That was an unreasonable statement. <laughs> How do we, we want to dissect what you just said to make it reasonable? We receive these teachings that don't make just, sense. I, I can help you. If you. Everyone here can listen to this response. Just practice. Just train your mind. Use these, use some teachings. Uh, these have been around a while, 2,500 years or more. Sit down, hold still. Train your mind. See the way in which the mind is not trained. This is how you approach something that is uh, difficult, is you look at what it is. You don't, you don't use a label for what it is and then try to repair the label. Shoka. Do these unreasonable teachings ever become reasonable? Nope. <laughs> no. And that's why it's a, it's a, if you happen to awaken to the nature of reality, it won't be by anything you did. If it is, then you're not awake. You just think you're awake. And if you think you're awake, my friends, 
you're not awake. So good luck. I'm happy to discuss this with anybody who thinks they're awake. Anyone here think they're awake? You think you're awake? Well, I don't mean go to sleep, the alarm goes off. You're <laughs> <laughs> awake. You think you're saying you're enlightened? I, yes. I mean, my instinct to your question, your yes. first question, am I awake, is yes. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Are you, are you asking if we think we are, if like, for yeah, do you think you're, or do you, is like the difference between thinking and knowing that you're awake? Is that where you're going with that? Or? Any, you can use any of those words. <laughs> huh? I just I felt like there was a difference between yeah. like knowing. You could say knowing. think, think, uh, no. You could say think, no. If you know you're awake, uh, that's also a delusion. Because otherwise it would just be relative truth. It would be something you could actually accomplish. You can't actually accomplish it. It's taught that way because human beings won't listen to anything unless you, you know, make sense, unless you're, what, reasonable. So the early provisional teachings, the first turning of the wheel of the Dharma, was reasonable. And then he slowly led them over to the edge of a cliff and said, oh, by the way, this is lesson number three. Jump. Which, of course, you can't jump, but just the fear of knowing what you might have to do uh, might be enough. Or it might not be. Well, go ahead. Ask me. Do I think I'm awake? It seems that awakening is present. Is present? Yeah. So what is there to do? You're asking me? That's a dangerous question. It's a dangerous question to ask. ask Serve others. Help others. Not where you think they are, but where they're actually at, which may be not paying any attention to you. Serve. How do you serve someone who's paying no attention to you? You're asking me? I am. <laughs> Pay attention to that. Fantastic. I like that, and I rarely do this. <laughs> um, what is the idea with these unreasonable teachings? What are they for? What are they helping us with? So, they help us work with the fundamental nature of reality, however you want to use the fancy words for it, they help us not ignore what is actually fundamentally and ultimately true by buying into what is relatively true, success, failure, good and bad, up and down, back and forth, life and death. They help us actually, that's why it's called transcendence, because we actually transcend our passion, aggression, greed, ignorance. We actually transcend it, and the way in which we transcend it is we see that there was never a solid being and never a solid individual here. Something is here, but it's not solid and it's not a separate being from other beings. It's not separate. So it's quite uh, humorous for if one understands this to look out and see others who are tied up in some kind of (coughs) agenda about their life, who they are, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you're ill, you shouldn't take relative medications. I'm not talking about living in some kind of ideal world where we don't even feed ourselves anymore because we're so ultimate. No, you might even do a better job of of working with relative truth because you won't cross the boundary into someone else's territory without their permission. You'll see the natural boundary and the natural hierarchy of the world. I'll give you an example of natural hierarchy. Leaves are in the sky roots are in the ground. You don't flip them around. Unless you're Mother Nature and, then, and you're in the Amazon and you can do whatever you want. 
Because it's the Amazon. <laughs> Got all that cover to go down there and say, I think I'll just turn this one tree over and put the roots up in the air and the leaves under the ground. You know about that tree? <laughs> Google it. <laughs> and it's just, how about that tree? In the Amazon. <laughs> so, the this does not take a, take away the fundamentally pragmatic nature of our lives. About we need to eat, we need to sleep, we need to have a job, we need to what help people where they're at. If someone comes and asks you for help, then you meet them where they're at. Where they're at. If it's in your over your kitchen table, or if you're a uh, have friends or, or possibly you're in AA or in NA or one of those other uh, groups where people get together to support each other or in a sangha like this or if you're a counselor like some people are you know meet them where they're at receive look see as you just said give, give them your attention don't give them your advice please save it I don't save it I was going to say something really stupid. I'm glad that I took a cup, drink of coffee instead. Go ahead. Is uh, not giving advice reasonable? So I'll address it this way. So you're sitting here and you see someone who is who is uh, pretty much lacing their life with alcohol because they're having so much difficulty. So they just kind of you know keep themselves kind of medicated. Uh, so I would say uh, it may seem reasonable to give them advice. You you know, you should stop drinking. That works pretty good, doesn't it? If you see somebody <laughs> drinking, say, stop drinking. Oh, thank you for the help. You pointed that out to me. I was confused about why, why I was stumbling around, bumping into things. I couldn't find my bottle. So, to go further with that, you, you could say that if you... Uh, as as he was saying, give them your attention. You know, see what they're doing. See see if you can see a way in which there's some kind of a opening to being helped, to actually an area where they might be willing. Now, if they, I have people come and sit in front of me, as I, I'm sure you, those of you who are in a counseling area, have people come and sit in front of you and will tell you, yes, I need your help. I want your help. You can see they're just nothing but closed doors all over the place. They want to be a person who asks for help. That's what they want. And so you first you have to meet them where they're at. Acknowledge, I can see you really want help. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the people who need help. I'm laughing at my own thought patterns. <laughs> I'm rarely bored. Most crazy people aren't. Sometimes this teaching is called uh, crazy wisdom because it's crazy in the sense that it does not Particularly, particularly align itself with the convention of the world, with, co with cultural norms. And, uh, in fact, and in fiction, it is quite from the point of view of some kind of pragmatism about life, it is totally outrageous, unconscionable is the word. It does not make any sense. So, uh, and if you come into this uh, zendo, into this uh, monastery, this, in this meditation hall, come in here and... Uh, and practice, you'll see people doing a practice over and over and over and over. It makes no sense at all. You just participated this morning. It doesn't make any sense. But what is it we're actually doing? We're trying to, endeavoring to set up some kind of a structure whereby we can see 
more deeply, more closely, more precisely the way the mind works. And you'll notice that when you're doing something like that, unless you've done it hundreds and hundreds of times, which might be a little bit different. But if you've just done it a few times, you might find yourself saying, I wonder why are they, why are they doing this? Why, why would they say this in this language? Well, here's here. Now this one's this third one here. This is in English. That's a little better. I can understand that. I think you started the, the Hokios on my today, or is that yesterday? No, you didn't start it. So meeting people, meeting situations where they're at, uh, would mean in a very descriptively would say, um, leave your leave your preconceptions in the hallway when you come in to sit down in front of anyone, any given situation. And this is this is a, um, somewhat fearful for ego, for self centeredness, because it wants protection. It doesn't want to look bad. It doesn't want to look. Doesn't want to be embarrassed about being wrong. But leave your preconceptions a few steps behind you if you can. Not easy. First, you have to actually see that you have them. If you see that you have them, to some extent, that, that's when the awareness starts to float out in front of the preconception. You don't have to destroy a preconception. You might want to keep it in view to keep you from realizing that you have strong preconceptions, prejudice, so that you won't get too full of yourself. You don't have to get rid of anything. I'll say that again. I'd like to say that. That's an astonishing, that's an outrageous thing for people who are having difficulty, feeling crazy, feeling confused, being depressed, having uh, constant uh, uh, anxiety or what, you name it, uh, to know you don't have to get rid of that. You don't have to get rid of anything. The getting rid of part does what? What is that saying about the nature of the mind? It means there is a hidden preconception or presumption that things are separate and that you can actually manipulate things. I know, I hate to tell you this, it's outrageous, but it's unreasonable, but not separate. And if you realize it, you won't need Buddhism, you won't need religion, you won't need anything. You won't be separate from anything anymore. So your life will be lived rather than you will live your life. If you're living your life, this is a, no matter how highfalutin this is, this is a ego. And perhaps that is what, I wouldn't interfere with anyone's karma, and perhaps that's what you should do. Maybe you should do that. I don't recommend it. This doesn't mean that I'm saying quit your job and move here. No, because if you come here, we're going to make you get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, it's not, a, it's a, it's a transcendental kind of pragmatism that, do, that does just what is necessary, not too much or not too little, not too much, just right. Just the right amount of tension on everything. That's why Buddhism is called the middle way. Further questions? You said your life will be lived rather than you will live your life. Yeah. How do you mean that? It means that you no longer make any decisions about anything. Your life just flows. I mean, I'm not saying that it, if you walk down here and, uh, uh, and slip on the ice and uh, fall down and hurt yourself, uh, that, that all that flowing is going to be particularly comfortable. But you're, but you're, you're not thinking of that as some kind of uh, problem. Painful, yes, but not something I should have done. Should have, should have doesn't enter into it anymore because there is no solid I. There is a discontinuous identity that keeps uh, showing up and pretends to be someone, but there's no solid self in the skandhas. The skandhas are form, feeling, perception, concept, or mind, or thought patterns and consciousness, the six sense fields and their objects. There's no solid self in there anywhere. They sure get together and uh, put on a good show. But you can actually step off that stage. First, you have to realize that you're on a stage. If you realize that, you can actually 
don't let anybody see it back a couple inches and you'll you'll find there's a whole row front row seats where you can watch your life <laughs> interesting thing about an audience is they don't have much to say say so about what happens on stage which is a good idea you can also go backstage which is what called what we call looking at this wall this is backstage for the ego you go off stage sit down look at the wall more uh, the mechanism that is always judging things based on reasonable or unreasonable. Does that mechanism change with practice? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's not that it stops, but you just see that it's, um, you just see that it's not, it's just something spinning around. You don't go at it and say, it's wrong, it's unclear, I get rid of it. You know, I'm never gonna pay any attention to that mechanism again. It's not about ignoring or shutting down. That's a different kind, different understanding of renunciation. The kind of renunciation, which we're going to be talking about later today, the kind of renunciation that we're talking about here, that I'm talking about, is just see what is true, and you'll know what needs to, what needs doesn't need fuel, and you know what needs you to constantly hold up, hold it to the fire. Yes, Daniel. Oh, sorry. Uh, from Sanho up in Saginaw, he asks, "What do you do if you don't make decisions?" Not much. When I say you don't make decisions, I'm not saying you don't make some decisions, but there's no there's no either or showing up in your life. Should I do? Should I? Or shouldn't I? What's the best thing to do? Um, I would like to buy a cryptocurrency. I, I really would like to buy some, but she won't let me. <laughs> so what do I do? I don't do it. Why would I? So I'm not saying that something doesn't arise, but as soon as it goes a different direction, whether it's that shows up in the form of a, your wife, or it shows in the, up in the form of, a, in my situation, Sangha, or even tiny people. <laughs> you, you pay attention to everything that's going on, and you don't, there's no agreement here. I don't agree with her. It's, just, it's not about agreement. It's not about disagreement. It's about awareness. And if the awareness is there, you will be witness to what you do. You won't know ahead of time. If you know ahead of time, this is ego, albeit very, very uh, thin and uh, sophisticated. Ego gets very sophisticated. It can look just like enlightenment. People will even tell you, you are one of the most kind and peaceful people I've ever met. And you go, really? <laughs> All the time, beaming, you know. Somebody's noticed. <laughs> Can you do that? Good one. <laughs> they got that down. Yes, sir. Is it possible to become enlightened without working to become enlightened? Yes. It could happen today. It could happen. Uh, it's not actually an occurrence. That's why it's, it gives ego such a rough time because ego is used to calculating, adding things up, right and wrong, should and shouldn't. It's used to that. So when, you know, so it's, a, but it could, you know, it's possible. It's not actually an occurrence, and I, that's why I say that. And I'll, I'll say it another way. You're already awake. There isn't a person here that isn't completely awake. It's the very nature of being a human being is to be the Buddha. But life goes awry, gets twisted up, and centuries ago, causes and conditions start erupting and going this way and that way. People get confused. Uh, as they talk about power, there's a whole lot of power there, and it gets 
thwarted that goes uh, in a direction that's uh, out of balance in some way. But it looks out of balance to us. We don't know what's happening on Jupiter, do we? Anybody know? Probably not much. Somebody's there recounting the moons, which we've miscounted. <laughs> There's not 10 moons there. Yes. How do we lead without letting ego take over? Yeah. So don't, don't particularly lead, but don't refuse it. But just watch when that kind of thing shows up, when there needs to be some kind of input. But don't, don't go to war with it. If, if, if you're en endeavoring to lead in some way, and that which is, uh, you're addressing is, is not going along with that or not agreeing, then uh, uh, drop your agenda immediately. When I say drop it, you don't have to do anything. Just stop fueling that, that leading, because you probably have a concept of leading that is getting in the way of what's in front of you. This is what concepts do. They stop you from seeing what's happening. Someone who is realized uh, uses concepts, but they are not used by the concepts. It, it actually, there's an awareness that sees the difference. It actually sees the natural boundary be between everything. If you think everything is separate based on delusion, those are human beings. And if you think, uh, if you see what is true, then you see that that which is not separate is fundamentally divided in a very, very, uh, a very, very um, intelligent way. Just like leaves are separate from each other. You think the leaves talk to each other and say, oh, it's my territory. Stay over on that side of the limb. You came out that side of the limb. I'm coming out. Stop crowding me out. More? Yes. Uh, from Shane out in California. Yes, when endeavoring to help others, how can you tell the difference between wisdom arising into action and ego wanting to feel like a helper? Do nothing. Don't do anything. Don't do anything unless you have to. You don't have to do it. If you're doing something you don't have to do, then this is a delusion. It's just a manifestation of being confused and ego wanting to have its way. Or want, it would, ego would rather have control than be wrong. <laughs> Excuse me. So you really can't can't tell the difference. That's why it's a, fundamentally seems to be show up as a kind of surrender. There's no one that can surrender, so I'm not going to say to anyone, just surrender, just give up. I don't say give up. You've probably heard this before if you've listened to me talk. I say, look at the way you hang on. If you see the way you clutch at things, fixation, then if there is a possibility of letting go, uh, then then that could would let, that would release itself just by the nature of the awareness that is a lot of awareness there uh, just unloads all the weapons. Nobody unloads them because if they do, then somebody wants credit and wants you to join their army that uses really nice bullets. It won't hurt you. It just it'll just uh, knock you unconscious for five years. So, you know, have you noticed how people have different? They'll, they'll try to take something that is one way and try to well, let's change it this way, and then that'll be just more uh, fiddling around with relative truth rather than actually transcending that and living out of reality rather than out of causes and conditions that we all feel at the mercy of and want to get control of. Final question. Next to the last question. <laughs> yes. Um, sometimes, particularly in book studies uh, that we do here every day at yeah. noon, um, some of the material is extremely uh, uh, scholarly, mm -hmm. and it can feel, I can feel swamped by yes. what it's trying to say. So What's your question? How do we, um, how can we work with that, what seems to be unreasonable text, 
to yeah. gain understanding? Just, uh, well, the first thing is do it anyway. And uh, the other thing is, is understand what, what that whole thing is about. Look at the entire situation. That is more about Sangha, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, than it is about Dharma. Of course, it's about Dharma. We're already studying lots of different texts, and some people are very good at working with those concepts, and some people are very challenged. Some people have a favorite book, and they don't like this other book, but if they live here, they do it anyway. And uh, and you'll note if you look at them, they range from Zen to Tibetan Buddhism to Dzogchen to uh, there's many kind of texts we haven't we've looked at the early teachings of the Buddha, the Agamas. Uh, spent here a couple of years on those a while back. So, but they're difficult. They're they're written at another time, and the whole cultural such presentation is kind of odd. And then back in the fourth century, not many pe people could read. So they would make them, write them in such a way that if you memorize them, you could actually say them and there would be a lot of repetition in there. So that's why they're a little bit uh, unusual when they're translated out of the Sanskrit or the Chinese or the Japanese. Yes? I think maybe a broader question is in, in anything that we do, um, is it unreasonable to expect understanding? Well, I think expectation itself is something you could slow down on that just a little bit of expectation but to when the expectation comes up don't do anything with it don't justify it don't validate it don't add on to that a more propaganda about why this should be this way or that should this should be that way when we study dan lusthaus that's difficult material he's a he's a harvard scholar so and he's not he's not particularly speaking in uh, uh you know in simple terms he's using he doesn't give us a break at all but the good thing about that, the powerful thing about uh, uh, including the difficulty of it is, is it actually gets in and stretches your thinking process in such a way that you, you understand that you don't understand. That's another kind of understanding. That may be a more powerful understanding than actually understanding the concept and uh, starting to kind of puff up a little bit about how intellectual and how, how you've got down the three natures, how you've got down the... The, the various uh, schools of Buddhism on emptiness, uh, Madhyamaka, uh, uh, Yogacara, and, and the, the controversies between the nature of emptiness and so on, and that you can glide through that and remember everything. Good luck. So again, to maybe move into a more cultural yeah. context, um, just you, you referenced the shootings in Florida yes. where 17 people were killed, which seems totally unreasonable. Yes. Uh, just the whole idea of what we do with guns, et cetera, et cetera. So, how do we address that unreasonableness with some kind of understanding? <laughs> well, what we're doing here is working with awareness on a deeper level, but that doesn't mean we... I even tell people, watch the news. You give it an hour a day anyway. It's your world, or it's somebody's world, or we're part of the, the situation. But, you know, when you've got deep, deep disturbances about greed and anger and warfare deep in society... They go back not just this century or even the last century, and those are slowly come to the fore, then there's a kind of a rotation. You have a democracy that was very workable for a while, and now we're going back into the, because it's, it's, it goes in cycles. And so we've got people disagreeing and arguing about using concepts that are, uh, you could say, bereft of any kind of awareness. They're not leading with their their awareness about receiving and trying to understand and be workable. They're leading with their intense opinions, ideas, concepts, 
and it gets just gets worse and worse and worse because no one's really addressing that. And so now it takes a, a, a bunch of uh, junior, uh, sophomores and juniors to sit on a, I don't know if any of you saw that, these people are saying, uh, making some pretty uh, interesting comments about the nature of uh, politicians who get literally millions and millions of dollars from, from the NRA or whatever to and these children are saying, uh, addressing those politicians directly, to stop taking that money from the NRA. Even uh, the president took, I don't know, millions, millions and millions. So we're not, we're not going to go in there. We don't need to go in and do that. That's been done. But what we could do is we could find a way to make it uh, less, less uh, dangerous to go to school or to be, even be a, a citizen here. Some places are much, much worse, as we know. I don't want to get into politics, but just, just take a quick glance at Syria. Not, not a good place. That's a, that's a real deep samsara there. But there's no, the right and wrong part is the part of the problem because the, the people who are right, then they fight the people wrong. And the people who are wrong, they feel like their position is right. So then they, it's just, uh, it's circular. I win, you lose. Uh, you win, I lose. It's been going on for, just read a history book, been going on and on and on. And there's a few people who are, a few beings who are spending their time doing this. You could say that they should be in there voting or joining one side or the other, you know, or not. You can say it. But... So buy me some cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I'd like to uh, remind everybody about our donation boxes that are uh, in the hallway. Also, uh, PayPal. We, we do take plastic as well. And um, the all day is this Saturday. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> the all day is this Saturday, so please join us if you can. May the merit of this penetrate to all places so that we